The gospel for today comes from Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 36 to 48. In this account of an appearance after his resurrection, Jesus opens the minds of the disciples to understand him as Messiah. Jesus convinces them that he has been raised and sends them on a mission to proclaim the message of repentance and forgiveness. Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses The prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in the name of all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Here ends the reading. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The peace of the Lord be with you. I greet you today with these words of comfort and assurance, just as Jesus greeted his disciples after the resurrection. This phrase, peace be with you, comes to us when we are happy and sad grieving and overworked. We hear it on Sunday morning when we share a sign of the peace. We sometimes hear it in sermons. We might hear it in emails, and we often hear it without stopping to think about what it really means. Jesus uses this phrase with the disciples when he greets them after his death and resurrection. Now the disciples are arguably freaking out a little bit. They are confused to suddenly be in the presence of the Lord that they saw die on the cross. They are there minding their own business when all of a sudden the person they lost to death is standing right in front of them. Would you not be freaking out too? They saw Jesus carry his cross through the city. They saw him hanging there in front of their eyes. They heard the last words and experienced the darkness. They grieved as they carried Jesus to the tomb to lay him to rest, and they rolled the stone over the entrance. And yet, standing right in front of them, is the man they watched all this happen to. Of course, they thought he was a ghost. We blame ghosts for everything we can't explain, right? Like when you're late for work and you can't find your wallet and you've looked three times everywhere, and yet there it is right by the front door. Or when you're home alone and you hear a strange noise coming from the wall, 
where you find a book that has fallen off the table, but you haven't touched it. Things happen all the time that we can't explain, and we usually blame the ghost that seems to be following us around. In the middle of all the confusion and fear of the disciples, thinking that they're seeing a ghost, Jesus says, peace be with you. Calm down. It will be okay. Out of a world of chaos and emotions, Jesus calls for peace and stillness, a moment of centering to bring the disciples out of their heads where they're trying to process and figure out what is happening, to instead be present with Jesus right here in the moment. Now last week here at Upper Dublin, we took a little adventure to a place I call home, to the wizarding world of Harry Potter with his friends Ron and Hermione, to my alma mater, Hogwarts. I don't know about you, but I loved every second of Holy Humor last week. It was a fun, entertaining, and thrilling tale of the Easter story in a not-so-conventional way. Now, one element of the Harry Potter world that we didn't convey to you are the characters of the Hogwarts ghosts. If you have read the books or seen the movies, you will know that these ghosts are very important to helping move the story along. They give information to the wizards, and they bear witness to the happenings of Hogwarts in ways that the actual human characters never do. The ghosts are funny and mean, they play jokes, but they're always helping Harry, Ron, and Hermione in one way or another. Though transparent in nature, these characters are extremely important. They talk and act just like normal people, but if you're not paying attention, you might just walk right through one of them. They're wise people to get advice from, but when it comes to needing a hug, they are not too helpful. When you think about ghosts, maybe you think of the Hogwarts ghosts, or maybe you think of Casper the Friendly Ghost, or those in Ghostbusters. Regardless of what you picture, they all have one thing in common. They are transparent. You cannot touch them, grasp them, hold them, or hug them. Now, I don't think the disciples were watching movies in their spare time. So what did they think a ghost was? That time, they probably turned to the teachings and writings of the Old Testament for their knowledge and imagery and understanding of what is in front of them. In 1 Samuel 28, we have a rather bizarre story where Saul calls forth the ghost of Samuel. Abbreviated, Saul describes Samuel's ghost by saying, I see a spirit rising up out of the ground. It looks like an old man wearing a robe. If this was their reference for what a ghost looked like, an old man wearing a robe, then when Jesus appeared in front of them more than likely wearing a robe, biblically, it would make sense for the disciples to think Jesus was a ghost. But how does Jesus respond? He tells the disciples to touch him and eat with him, to show that he is right there in the flesh, and in fact, not a ghost. By entering into that physical relationship of touch, Jesus tells the disciples and shows them that they are not being deceived and that Jesus is not a ghost. So 
So I want you to hold on to that for a minute, and we're going to come back to it. In our first reading today, the, in 1 John, the author writes in verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. And I have a question. Did you know that the word gullible is written on the ceiling here in the sanctuary? Gotcha. Did any of you just look? I saw one. I saw two. It's not. But this was our favorite joke at Bear Creek Camp because it, in fact, was written on the ceiling of one of the buildings. We are all a little gullible. We are all quick to believe things, even though we know they are not true. We all fall for the joke, oh, look over there, while I am taking your cookie over here. But how is it that children learn and grow in their knowledge of the unknown? How do we learn to stop being so gullible? By exploring. Kids touch, feel, and play, and they look when you tell them to. If they're like my seven-month-old nephew, Ryan, they might put everything in their mouth, too. Little kids learn to not be deceived by exploring and engaging with that which they don't know or understand. Kids are curious, and they don't care what people think. Because as they are learning about the world around them, the rest of us are standing by watching, saying, oh, look how cute. The problem is, as adults, it's not quite as cute when we explore and touch things the way kids do. For example, while I was living in South Africa, I worked at a preschool in the all-black community that I lived in. These kids were mesmerized by my hair. The same way I'm sure that you have seen in pictures and heard about in stories from those who have been to Tanzania. The kids didn't ask to touch or to play with my hair. They just did it. They wanted to explore and try to understand because it was so different from theirs. Yet the teachers also wanted to touch and play with my hair. But they were too hesitant to ask sometimes. I never minded. My hair was literally a playground. But you could see the difference in their comfort level. The kids would just walk up and grab two fistfuls of hair before even saying, good morning, teacher Courtney. But the teachers would always ask, you know, can I, can I touch? And then touch as if it was a porcelain doll. If we are too afraid to explore and engage with things, we can be easily deceived. So here we are in the gospel this morning. The disciples are confused and scared and really can't comprehend what is going on. They think Jesus is a ghost come back to, to haunt them, maybe? The ghost in 1 Samuel was angry to have been woken, so who knows what the disciples were thinking Jesus wanted. But what does Jesus do? He says, it is truly me here with you. Touch me. Feel the warmth of my skin. Break bread with me. For if I was a ghost, this could not be done. In each of his appearances after the resurrection, Jesus takes great care to show the people around him that he is not a ghost. He breaks bread. He invites people to touch. He ensures that they know they are not being deceived, that they truly understand that they are bearing witness to the resurrected Jesus in the flesh. Jesus welcomes the disciples to act as little children and to explore the unknown. 
He calls the disciples to touch and feel, to know they are not being deceived, to show them that you carried my body from the cross to the tomb, but now you can touch me as I am alive again. The gospel this morning concludes with one final statement. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus says to the disciples, you have seen me and touched me. You are a witness to what has happened. You've explored and you understand. Now you must go forth and tell others. We live out these teachings of the gospel every time we volunteer and serve. Helping those in need was the basis of Jesus' teachings. He took the social norms of that time and flipped them on the head. As he ate with the lowly, healed the sick, and paid attention to those put down by society. It is our common Christian faith to live out the story of Jesus and the resurrection through our ability to volunteer with organizations and help those who have less than we. On this Volunteer Sunday, we recognize the ways we work in the community as the church, sharing the resurrection story and embodying our faith through actions. Thank you to all of you for volunteering in any capacity, from Chosen 300 to working with the youth to serving on Sunday morning to donating to organizations. We may not bear witness through touching the scars of Jesus, but we encounter others and we show God through our actions. St. Teresa of Avila is quoted to have said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but you. It is when you volunteer and help others in need that you are sharing God with them. You are showing people that they matter and are loved, not just by those around them, but by a greater God. You may not say it, but it is there in your beliefs, your values, and your actions. Jesus calls us to challenge our beliefs and our understandings of what is both imaginable and unimaginable. He calls us to help the poor, the sick, the lonely. He calls us to touch, to feel, and to explore what we don't understand. And then go forth to tell and show others. When we put our fear, doubt, and confusion, our grief, excitement, and exploration into God's plan, when everything around us may be spinning out of control, let us remember to have peace and to say to one another, peace be with you in those moments when we need it most. God's plan often does not play out in the ways we expect, but may the peace of the Lord be with you on every twist and turn of the journey. Amen.